Hello, everyone, and welcome to the EVN Disrupt podcast. My name is Nishjad Zaturyan. I'm the editor of the tech section here at EVN Report. Our guest this week was Samson Avetyan. Samson is the founder and CEO of Equify. We spoke about how their platform is helping enable people from all over the world to invest in Armenian startups, including for non-traditional investors. We also spoke about the importance of financial literacy and encouraging more investments from everyday Armenians. Thank you for listening. Samson, thanks so much for being here today. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Let's start with a little bit of your background. How'd you get into the world of finance, investment, and tech? Oh, that's an interesting question. I mean, I was in the finance, maybe later stage finance, so public securities, investments, investment management for seven, eight years. I'm well, uh, well familiar with that field uh, to manage, you know, uh, money in general and mostly, but mostly on the macro level, mm-hmm. uh, macro type of investments, long-term uh, value-based investments. So that was six, seven years back. I got back in Arme- to Armenia in 2010, so previously 15 years in Sweden or so, then two years in Boston, HBS MBA, then we decided to move back to Armenia. It was fairly clear in the mid 2000s, even that Armenia is moving towards IT tech, and that's probably uh, where the productivity and value add is the highest. So that's where we get the most impact out of the limited resources we have. So it was fairly apparent that even back then that Armenia would be moving in that direction. And I was planning always to switch somewhat in that to that domain at a later point when I kind of understood what's going on and uh, build networks. So we started at uh, Angel Investor Club of Armenia in 2018. Uh, for, so four or five years we've been in that sphere already kind of uh, hands-on. Uh, and now a couple of years back, we decided to move on and uh, make this far more, um, much bigger engagement in this direction. So it was a gradual switch from one uh, part of the finance towards uh, kind of earlier stage venture finance and uh, technology. Does the Angel Investor Club act as a traditional angel network, or what exactly is the, the mission behind it? Uh, yes, I mean, it's it's a network. We have some 40, uh, 50 angel investors. Uh, we uh, It's basically a bit hands-off, so we kind of just introduce people. It's a network. And then the investors themselves uh, decide how to proceed with the, you know, valuation, due diligence, negotiations, all of those things. Mm-hmm. So we're trying not to get involved as much in the... Uh, in the actual, you know, advisory or anything like that. Uh, we do evaluate the startups and kind of uh, work with them as well, but not to a large extent, just to make sure that's the, that's the model we have, uh, that we might uh, see some adjustments in the future, but we'll see. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. All right. Let me give you a bit of a hard question before we get on some, some, uh, some more interesting topics. Not that this one isn't interesting, but um, we've tried on the show before speaking a couple of times about... Um, actualizing tech economic productivity for greater like market impact in Armenia. Um, We often like hear about how tech is doing really well in Armenia, but it still makes up a relatively uh, small percentage of the economy. You're probably the first person on the show that actually has like a finance and and, uh, macroeconomic background. How do you see about what can be done to actually make tech become a greater part of Armenia's economy as a percentage? Because it still hovers around yeah. like less than 5%. No, it's, a, it's an excellent question because if you look at countries, how they compete, like generally in the world, especially if you're a developed nation, you compete basically on innovation and uh, innovation and productivity. Um, and in that case, uh, the society is also, and in general, the society needs to be 
um, kind of uh, well-versed in technology. Uh, so basically adopt technology quicker. So the faster the country as a whole adapts technology, uh, the more productive the, the rest of the economy becomes as well. So it's not just about the tech sector, it's not about just IT and IT exports, because yeah, that's that's correct there. The sector is fairly autonomous if you don't kind of try to broaden it out. Uh, now, how to do that is basically the more people participate in this and have uh, sort of skin in the game and adopt technology faster. And uh, when you adopt technology, when you adopt innovation, you also um, believe in, you know, how do I put it, the sciences becomes much more important to you. And that puts a pressure on scientific uh, investment from the public sector, of course, on in, uh, investment in R&D from companies. So the more the society understands what's going on in the tech side, uh, feels how important that is, has skin in the game, as mentioned, uh, the more we, have, uh, all of us and the rest of the sectors and, uh, you know, companies will adopt that too, because the companies, general established companies need to compete on um, innovation as well. You innovate on features, you innovate on business models, you innovate on design, on technology. So uh, when the society as a whole puts a bit of pressure and moves forward, that puts pressure on the companies as well to adopt technology and innovate uh, faster, whether on design or features or anything like that. Does it matter whether or not that tech adoption is happening from the Armenian tech industry, specific, as in uh, like other sectors are adopting are being, are being faster to adopt technological solutions that are built by the Armenian sector itself to drive that growth or uh, I mean we cannot we cannot build all of the products and all of the technologies and services in Armenia uh, a lot of the things obviously the best practices are not always in Armenia or most of them are not in Armenia so when you adopt a technology and these best practices on how to manage companies for example or technology or put in bring back or bring in the best equipment I mean that's how you get productive we cannot uh, mm -hmm. sit and wait and innovate bicycles because that would take too much time and we don't have that time yeah. so we need to uh, both develop our own bring best practices from abroad and technologies from abroad to do that's that on productive yeah but do you see a need to incentivize local companies to build more for the uh, local market uh, I mean, if you look at if you look at uh, small countries in the world, uh, the, just the market. I mean, developed nations like successful ones. Uh, most of the time, these countries are not building for their domestic markets. It's just too small. The economics just doesn't, doesn't uh, do, not, do not do not add up. You cannot build a product or a service for two three million people. Mm -hmm. uh, and in that case, you have a much bigger uh, market to work with, and then you you know. So that's how right. countries like, I don't know, Denmark, Sweden, Switzerland, all of these countries do. You need to work, uh, you need to work with the whole world. Uh, and this is, you know, I think there's a you know, fairly good understanding of that in Armenia as well. Yeah. And even if you're building for the local market and within the local market, you're still competing with global products. So. You're, you're, of course, you're always of course. de facto within the global market. Yeah, obviously yeah. we, all of us use, uh, I don't know, uh, whatever startup products we have. Yeah. yeah. Uh, whether it's, I don't know, crisp or anything like that. Right. So. right. Um, you mentioned a lot, um, uh, that people within our society need to have more skin in the game. Um, you speak about this in the sense of, um, engaging more, uh, investors within Armenian companies. Um, but investment as a whole, um, just on the personal finance side is a bit lacking in Armenia, I would say. It's not great in, in other countries either, um, even in the, the United States of the world, which you might think of as having a really financially literate society. I think people really struggle to understand like the, the importance and the, um, the ways to like imperatively invest their, their money. I'm talking about like just regular people. Um, how do you see in a country like Armenia, which um, 
has still really a nascent culture when it comes to these things, encouraging and educating people on um, becoming retail investors, becoming people who uh, who are not like traditional investors themselves, they're not venture capitalists or angels, but they have some money that they can be putting into tech companies, let's say. Yeah, um, I mean, it's a it's a very relevant question for us. Uh, I mean, we worked with uh, Angel Investor Club, as I mentioned, AICA, for several years now. Uh, we have we get a lot of very good support from our angels, uh, whether it's domain expertise, whether it's knowledge, whether it's investment. Uh, I would say half of the people come from abroad, uh, and half of people are local. Uh, but it's just not enough because we are all of the networks that we have here, Angel Networks, we work more or less with the same, I don't know, group of 100, 200 people. And in that case, to get a broader impact on the society is just not enough. And uh, when it comes to kind of uh, financial sophistication, investment sophistication, yeah, Armenia is a bit uh, one of the laggards, I would say. We're uh, quite behind on that. So investment starts from the saving point of view. First, you need to kind of save some money and then invest it. We're kind of country number 150 in the world, out of 180 or so when it comes to saving. So the whole culture is more at present right now, at least is more oriented towards consumption. Uh, and obviously when you don't have that much money to, you know, to save, uh, you don't think about investing. So we need to work on the kind of sharing the sharing the best practices, so to say, why saving is important in general. And a lot of countries do a much better job at this. And you, when you kind of correlate development, um, uh, how rapid development of a country is in their saving rates, there's a fairly strong, uh, strong correlation there. So first it goes via saving, then it goes to investment, and then it goes to, you know, uh, higher growth uh, in the years to come. So we need to start from the savings part. And obviously, and that's what we're uh, that's what we're doing is that uh, as well and then you work towards financial sophistication investment sophistication i think it mostly it's about um kind of uh, lack of information i would say uh, it's not talked about why saving is why investment is important it is very important whether you save and invest in armenia or abroad even there are different mechanisms that mm -hmm. work that are beneficial for armenia in that case as well but yeah the the working on a financial sophistication it's uh, it's a lot of work to do in armenia but when you do that you're not only promoting what a specific sector you're promoting even things like capital markets development so a company like i don't know team telecom or uh, armenian economic or bank or agba all of these companies have issued stocks recently and people try to see that they their money works for them and generates income in parallel with them so when that knowledge and when that information gets spread out a bit more widely people um, i think people will be very inclined to move in this direction too so it's just I would say lack of awareness on what the um, income might be, uh, what the, the risk might be. So when people are more informed, they'll be moving in that direction, I think. Earlier you said that it starts with saving, then goes to investing, and all that's correlated with higher development uh, on those rankings. Even before those, does does it, does um, just income growth come first before that? Or can even in low-income countries... Um, positively be impacted by this? Yeah, it's a, that's a good question. We get that question a lot. If you look at just compare countries across the board uh, and you kind of equate them for their income levels, uh, the savings rate differ. It's just a matter of policies, a matter of societal um, behaviors, norms 
cultural norms. So I lived in Sweden for 15 years. It's when you look back, how people think, behave, how they speak, what jargon is used. Uh, it, you just uh, immediately tie it, why those things mm -hmm. uh, are there ingrained. Mm -hmm. So you might not read in school in a book that why saving is important, how that comes investment, but it's like, it's ingrained in them. Culturally. Yeah, and um, the whole the whole society is that way. And I would say it's not only Sweden, it's probably all the Nordic countries and maybe, you know, Northern European countries as well. Do you have an intuition for why that is? I think countries, all of them go through different stages of development and learn on their, you know, right things they do, wrong things they do, what can be improved. But specifically Sweden, where you lived, like, do you know why they're so savings oriented? Uh, I haven't researched that subject, mm -hmm. to be honest, um, but I was in Sweden a couple of years back and was like, uh, I think it was 2021, I was describing the situation in Armenia back then post-war. Um, and I, you know, got recommended a book to read. And that book was uh, almost, I don't know, maybe not, not to 70, 80% resembled the situation in Armenia with Artsakh. Mm -hmm. uh, these two years back. So mm -hmm. when they they lost Finland and there was a huge trauma for them because historically both Finland and Norway was part of Sweden, the three crowns. Mm -hmm. And it was almost, you know, very, very similar to what Armenia uh, experienced. Like, uh, but that was 200 years back, like Napoleonic Wars. Right. Uh, yeah. Right. So I think all of the countries go through their stages and learn. And uh, a lot of times you want to learn other people's mistakes, not yours, because you mm -hmm. don't, might not get another chance. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, let's move on to the, the product you guys are building. Uh, the, tell us a little bit about uh, Equify and how you guys are working on um, encouraging uh, people, to, regular people, um, non people who haven't traditionally been investors, uh, to be investing in Armenian companies, Armenian startups. Yeah, I, so the tech, uh, the tech sector is critical for Armenia. Uh, it's just if you look at the numbers, there is no other sector that can pull us out of this. Uh, just because the rest of the, if you look at like productivity value add per person, it's just finance and IT and the tech that's the highest. Uh, then come things like manufacturing, you know, professional services. You know, and the, at the bottom of it, you find, I know, accommodation, uh, you know, tourism or things like that, agriculture. Uh, even in like best countries like France, if you look at the numbers, Holland, it, it's just productivity is very high, but not on par with finance and IT. Mm -hmm. And obviously the resources that we have, the limited resources that we have, the geography, the number of people, the market size, it's just the only thing that makes the numbers work out is the tech. Uh, obviously, we can discuss whether this is outsourcing or not outsourcing. Uh, obviously, we, you need to move from outsourcing to more high value add, but that uh, takes all of the countries start with outsourcing. China became, you know, uh, one of the leaders in AI, but they started outsourcing as well. Most of the countries start there. So we can discuss how the rapid that move from outsourcing to product development needs to happen, and it needs to happen. But basically, this is a sector that needs to move us along, uh, move us forward. Uh, but as mentioned, uh, these, uh, we have 100 angels, 200 angels that are Armenians across the world. Uh, we're all very grateful for them. Uh, but looking at the numbers and the, you know, the funds that come in from local and uh, diaspora, this is just not enough. If you look at the, let's say if we took all of the financial system in Armenia, let's say pension funds, banks, insurance companies, and let's say that's 100% of our money. 
uh, only 0.06% of that money uh, goes to finance, innovation, and technology startups. So 0.06%. So of the Armenian, like uh, of the Armenian, just money available in Armenia. Yes, exactly. And that's including the diaspora money as well. So the money that goes to that sector is infinitely small, I would say. So if you want to build a future, and that future starts with investing, and the money goes towards investing, is that low mm-hmm. obviously the you know uh that's not enough you can count on maybe international vcs international funds working and you know financing that too but there's no reason why armenia and armenia's money should not finance our own future so to say in our own investments in this critically important sector and it's critically important not only for like econ- economic side it's also national security issues these are uh, these are things like are, uh, you know, can be used in different places like AI, for example. So it's not just uh, economic strength, which is very important. So the one of the missions of Equify is to kind of make sure that all of us contribute to this, uh, um, establish the piece that we need to establish and grow and uh, develop as a country and get a successful and prosperous future. So if we all are part in this, support this, uh, as mentioned, there will be impact on capital markets, there will be impact on investment sophistication, there will be impact on uh, obviously the startups that will be have another avenue to raise money, it will, you know, uh, many, many places. So it's a kind of very impactful initiative, so to say, and that's the reason we're doing this. Um, it's not, you know, it's not a platform for myself or our board. Uh, it's a platform for Armenia. That's how we approach the things, and obviously the ecosystem as well. Mm-hmm. Tell us what exactly the platform is. How do I, as an investor, or how do on the other side companies use it? So we're working. We've been working on this for a couple of years now. The whole. It started as a project at AUA at Epic. Um, it's their incubator for innovation startups or startups in general. And then it got uh, quite serious and we decided to move this project to AICA and implement it via AICA uh, just to make sure uh, we don't, you know, uh, we have a bit more freedom because the mission of a university is not perfectly aligned to building an investment company. Uh, we started building this with AICA. We got support from EU. We're having, uh, they're assisting us in building this as well. Uh, then we had a fundraising uh, a half a year or so back. So it's a fairly broad and uh, initiative that has been under implementation for uh, for a while now. And uh, the whole, uh, I described the mission, so the whole operations of it is we're going to have uh, most of us, or Armenians principally in the first place, uh, to have access to some of our best innovation startups. Uh, some startups that other uh, VCs have participated in, uh, other professional sophisticated investors and large investors have participated in. We want to bring these the same opportunities our uh, large investors have to people like, uh, like myself or, I don't know, my relatives or, you know, uh, whoever might be the general public. So we can use that product as well, uh, also in the diaspora, of course. So um, that's the that's the intent. So people can save and invest in those type of companies. But we also understand that this is a fairly risky sector as a whole. And that's why when we approach the investment and savings part, we say that, okay, you have $100, uh, you can invest maybe five, 10 of those in these type of startups. The rest of your investments need to be in other places like stocks, bonds, whatever it might be. 
so we are taking a holistic approach just because of the responsibilities we have on this. So that's basically that's basically the mission. We want to just make sure every one of us has the same opportunities that the large investors have. And this uh, kind of in line with the democratization process of finance. And I would also say that the regulators, both in Armenia and abroad, have been very welcoming of this. There have been more products, more uh, legal uh, uh, legal solutions that have been become even more available these couple of years. Uh, so there's a lot of support from both ecosystem and uh, and regulators and in general. Mm-hmm. So um, Armenian companies will be on the platform. I, as a user, will be, will be able to go on, select which one I want to invest in, and then um, make my investment. How? What type of what amounts do you do you anticipate investors uh, those your investor group putting in by your investor group i mean your users yeah so that's a that's a good question so um we're going to be given that this is a new domain for a lot of people or for most of the people uh, we're going to start fairly at small ticket sizes so people can go in experiment look how the you know the platform works how easy it is how intuitive how good the startups are uh, so we'll be starting at I don't know, 50, 20 dollars, 100 dollars tickets. Mm-hmm. So you just can go in and so a cup of coffee or two. Um, so this is very important for us. So in that way, the trade-off becomes not okay. Should I invest or not invest? So this is I might lose or not lose. I don't know. I uh, need my money is going to be tied up for a couple of years. It will be a trade-off. Okay, you can order another cup of um coffee or a dessert or should you kind of participate in building a better mm-hmm. future for all of us uh so that's why i want to start small so people can experiment so this is can learn how these things uh work uh, and obviously as i mentioned not only for startups but uh in the rest of the in general people will get uh, you know much higher investment sophistication so to say man uh, but in that case how how large do you anticipate the total amount of raise for the company to be yeah, we're thinking of at least hundred thousand or so, and uh, we're not going to list many startups, as you might, uh, uh, you know. Uh, naturally, we're going to list. We don't have, uh, I don't know, infinite amount of startups that are uh, very promising. Very, um, the returns are going to be high from them. So we're going to concentrate on fairly low amount of startups let's say three four startups per year and then grow that number and then in our case we want to kind of grow the fund uh, raising targets as opposed to uh, just the amount of startups we just we don't want to we don't want to list many startups that we don't have uh, mm-hmm. you know good uh, confidence in at least at that point or maybe they're maybe just too early stage so to say uh, I, I want to talk about how you think about vetting them but so thinking like if you want to raise a hundred thousand dollars for a startup so if we go a little bit higher than what you were saying of like 20 50 dollars of people let's say put a hundred dollars on average let's say which doesn't seem crazy um over a thousand people that's a hundred thousand dollars you raise for for the company um and at that stage if you're getting in that early you might see if the company succeeds you might see like a three four hundred x return on that hundred dollars which is pretty great um but what is it? What you so you mentioned that you wouldn't be letting on every uh, startup, um, and you also mentioned maybe some are too early to to get in. What do you consider too early? Because um, like for example, if a hundred thousand dollars in Armenia, especially for a pre-seed company, that might be like half of their quote unquote pre-seed round or like a quarter of their pre-seed round, which is quite significant. Like you just got a company a quarter of their way to just getting off the ground a little bit. Um, but for a later stage company, like a series A company or a series B company, which already is more well-established, it's a little bit safer, you could say, cause they've gone through a few rounds already that hundred thousand dollars probably means less, right? 
Um, on the investor side, you also get less return because you weren't as early. Now, Series A, Series B is still early, assuming it goes it goes far away. So, how do you think about what type of companies would be interested in being on on the platform? Yeah, so I think this is where the mission comes in as well. Uh, for for us, the listing, let's say, criteria, so to say, is first there's a general public knowledge about the startup. That we're not the first ones to you know open this up. Sure, we don't want to our our fiduciary duty is very important to us. We don't want to, you know, we want our investors to take risks that are, um, you know, same as the return expectations. Uh, so the listing criteria, you know, other large investors have participated in this. There's public awareness about this. Uh, we also have our own corporate governance due diligence, finance due diligence, obviously team, market, all of these things, product due diligence. When it comes to to which companies, I know 100K initially might be interested or not, that's where the mission comes in. I mean, given that this is the reason why we're doing what we're doing is, uh, is um, you know for Armenia for get all of this broader participation and for all the impact uh, aspects that I mentioned. So I think for the companies, for the startups themselves that are a bit later stage, maybe even Series A, as you mentioned, Series B, this will be somewhat of a corporate social responsibility mm. uh, to promote this type of a vehicle as well in Armenia. We have several very good VC funds. We have several very good angel networks, but it's also there's no reason why these companies and the founders of these startups would not want to uh, support establishment and ambition of uh, Equify. Yeah, yeah, and and if you think of it like. Um if a company is going out to raise a 15 million Series A, making it 15.1 so that you can make room for um, something important like this for the ecosystem is not a big ask of, of that company. Yeah, I mean it's it it's based from our discussions based on the founder uh, what their approach is from them. The most of the time is just okay. Uh, do not add a lot of admin on me mm-hmm. <laughs> and make this easy. Get and from way. the legal yeah. point of view, as mentioned, the regulatory on the regulatory side, all of these regulatory aspects have gotten much more convenient, much easier throughout these years. And we're going to do everything to make sure that the admin part is as convenient as possible, as not takes doesn't take any any time from the founders, as well as the kind of compliance issues and you know uh, mm-hmm. what type of money we uh, we contribute with. Right. Right. Do you anticipate seed and earlier stage companies to be on the platform eventually as well? Yes, of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. I mean, if this if this is a very promising uh, startup that has uh, had a claim from winning competition uh, competitions, I don't know, participated in accelerators like YC or Berkeley Skydeck, we're going to be taking all of that uh, into consideration. Of course, uh, I mean, it's not we're not going to be having any hard red lines. It's just we have. By the way, this is not a as mentioned. We uh, this is a you know, kind of a broad initiative, and we have a very strong board um, board of advisors behind us and advisors in general. The decisions which startup to list is going to be done by our listing committee and on the listing committee we're going to have at least three four people that have both vc fund management experience angel investing experience accelerated experience angel network experience so these decisions will be backed by our listing committee and backed by our board so this is fair objective and mm-hmm. in line with the best interest of our of our investors yeah. in some ways as a retail investor i would feel more comfortable doing this in armenia because Yes, the 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 amount of startups in Armenia are much smaller. I believe there are some really high quality filters in Armenia, um, like going through the smart gates of the world and kind of getting that stamp of approval. You see maybe a few of those a year, right? Right now at this early stage, that that get those. And um, whereas in in the in large ecosystems like Silicon Valley, 
a ton of startups might get through those filters because there's just such a greater amount of volume that picking through those is much tougher. Um, so in a way, I kind of like the fact that there's a still a smaller number of, of startups that are that the attention is being focused on, and it kind of makes it easier for me to to pick where to put my hundred dollars this month or a thousand dollars maybe this year. Um, and yeah, yeah, I mean that's right. I mean we looked at we looked at some thirty different platforms like this abroad. There, this has been going on for like ten years or so internationally. We looked at different countries, developed, emerging thirty different platforms. We looked at, researched yeah. what the business model is, what the fee structure is, what the approaches, and there are some platforms that you can go you go in and you see like I don't know, fifty, sixty, hundred different startups that are, you know. Uh, you don't have a lot of confidence, let's put it that way, how they do things and what the prospects are. Because uh, it's just too easy to get off the ground in those countries. Yeah, and, and the platform itself does not take responsibility for those. They just come, okay, you want to list? Yeah, go ahead. This is, uh, you know, go, you go through some due diligence and they list you. But then it's all, they don't take any responsibility what the things might look like. In yeah. our case, uh, we'll, we're far more serious about this because, again, this is all of our, in all of our money, uh, mm -hmm. you know, our retail money, diaspora money, our Armenian money and it's you know we're all friends and relatives here um, and in the diaspora so we need to take far more responsibility mm -hmm. on the fiduciary duty side so that's why we're going to take this far more seriously and uh, with regard to the amount of startups yeah we get a couple of startups per year that are fairly promising and uh, I mean if you look at the numbers I was counting the numbers the other day um, even with the limited amount of startups we have we have already fairly good returns on the startups that have already had traction. I just read the news this morning that one of our biggest startups is <laughs> going to be maybe first one out on the IPO list next year. And uh, with it, comparing to the ecosystem size, comparing to the to how much we worked in this direction is far, far room to go for more room to go. Uh, but the numbers speak for themselves. Um, we have fairly strong startups already. And that comes from the fact that diaspora has been there. And a lot of these startups, co-founders and founders have had a lot of experience from abroad. Mm -hmm. Places like Switzerland, Sweden, yes. uh, US, obviously, Canada, Armenia, of course. So it's a very larger pool of very highly qualified people mm -hmm. from with international experience. That's very important yeah. as well to mention. Tell us about some of the uh, case studies of a model like this working in other ecosystems that are in some ways comparable to Armenia. Like it's not a huge market like the US, but yeah. um, has a smaller startup ecosystem that has launched something like this. Uh, so two, three specific examples we'll look closely at was the Sonian one, Thunderbeam. Thunderbeam had an opportunity we can you can also uh, buy and sell shares in these startups while before the exit. Uh, we looked at uh, Seedblink as well, the Romanian one. Um, and we looked at our crowd, which is the Israeli one. Um, our crowd is probably raised, have already raised close to $3 billion via their platform. For the companies on the platform? Yeah, for the companies on the platform uh, via That's different incredible. vehicles. Yeah, $3 billion is a huge amount of money for for a VC finance uh, place. <laughs> Let's yeah. put it that way. And obviously this comes from their innovation science strength, both in Israel and abroad, the same way we have in the diaspora. And it also comes from the amount of money coming from the diaspora as well. Uh, so we're not comparable to uh, that ecosystem, but there's no reason why we can't things them. like that, uh, we should not uh, learn from what other countries mm. or what other ecosystems have done right. previously. Do, um, so what was the name of the Israeli one? Our crowd. Does Do the our crowds of the world also attract 
non-Israeli, non-diasporan um, Jewish communities to invest in it? Because like, I'm someone who's in tech, I'm interested in tech, I constantly hear about how great Israel is doing. If I have $1,000 to put somewhere, why wouldn't I want to put it into like an early stage Israeli startup? Yeah, there? yeah, exactly. They get uh, they get a lot of, obviously, uh, my uh, my guess is they started with, uh, with uh, communities, Jewish communities abroad and the Israeli communities, of course. But uh, I think there's far, far broader participation, yeah. whether from even institutional investors like VC funds getting access to Israeli startups via that platform. And if you look at, if you follow the the biggest media outlets like TechCrunch in the world, uh, and TechCrunches in the world, you see that a lot of times uh, startups get co-invested via our crowd. Hmm. So these are the top level startups uh, where the American ones, well, not American, the Israeli ones get participation from VC funds, international VC funds via the platform. So this again, this is um, high quality startups. And if you look at other platforms as well previously, let's say WeFunder is not a very, uh, it's a US platform. They also get far, far higher quality startups than I don't know, five, 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. They even have YC Combinator page when uh, those type of startups also raising money. So uh, the same way stocks, bonds have been democratized over the last uh, decades, uh, the same thing is happening whether with VC investing or private equity investing. And there is no reason why Armenia should not be on the front lines here as well. So in general, there's a trend to sort of co-invest with traditional investors through like a crowdsourced yes. investment Yes, vehicle. of course. I mean, this, this is just a part of finance and it's a very important part of part of finance. So obviously I've established companies like Coca-Cola, BMW, whatever there might be. Uh, but this part of finance is probably one of the most, if not the most important part for a country's development, as mentioned, given technology innovation is what countries compete on, especially in turbulent times. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously you can produce many different products, but technology is always critical when you look at everything, I'm hmm. not going to go into details. Yeah, yeah. That's that's really it's really interesting that earlier you said um, in, in in these cases um, where these models have been deployed successfully, um, traditional investors go through the platform to to make an investment. And it's like like a, by traditional, I mean like a VC or someone. Um, I would have thought that the VCs, and you mentioned Israeli VCs, I thought they would have still gone straight to the startup uh, in most cases. But is, th is there a reason why VCs are looking to that as a vehicle? Um, I was more thinking about international VCs okay. getting access to Israeli okay. startups. I see. So if an international investor doesn't want to go through a VC, uh, they can go via that platform. Via the platform, yeah. yeah. It opens it up to them. Yeah, you just yeah. basically go through and see what's what's uh, what kind of opportunities mm -hmm. there are and make a decision yourself. When do you anticipate the platform launching? So right now we're in the middle of the registration or we're on the tail end of the registration with the local uh, regulator, which is the Central Bank of Armenia. Uh, uh, given the fact that Diaspora will need to participate or uh, will participate in these investments as well, we need to cross-register the platform in a couple of jurisdictions. Uh, obviously, uh, from looking at our angel numbers and angel networks, most of these initial investors and angels come from US. So US will be the first stop when it comes to registering the platform abroad. Um, so again, from the legal point of view, we need to make sure this is convenient for both Armenian investors and the diaspora investors to invest in. So we're going to be using legal solutions that are uh, on 
not on par, uh, the correct way to say, in line with what uh, sophisticated investors use. I'm thinking of SPVs. Uh, mm-hmm. So they will be doing this via SPVs and conveniently, so this is convenient for both the startup as well as the international investors or Armenian investors internationally. And we're planning to launch sometime in 2024. Uh, it's, but it's uh, the the timeline is a bit um, difficult to kind of set in stone just because this is a regulatory process and we don't have a control over it. Uh, but we're at the tail end of it. The local the registration we're going to be doing uh, next early next year in uh, uh, outside Armenia as well. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about what the regulatory framework around um, uh, around these kinds of investment vehicles has been, because there's been a lot of changes and. Uh, yeah. in the laws in, in Armenia over the last couple of years and in the U.S. over the last 10 years at yeah. this point? So I think it's all started with uh, regulation crowdfunding in U.S. And this was, I would say, 10 years ago. So Jobs Act, if I'm not Jobs mistaken, Act, something yeah. like that. Uh, so it started all there. And uh, a lot of these platforms got established based on those regulations, uh, equity crowdfunding regulations. Um, and then it has proceeded. So we have 10 years in now. Uh, the Armenian regulations were put in place, if I'm not mistaken, early 2021. Uh, so under those regulations, the companies have continued. These are basically regulations that open the open the sphere or open the open the sector in general. And then there's been a gradual uh, evolution of the sector. Uh, different platforms use the same regulations too, uh, but might have different business models. Some mm-hmm. have different type of fee structures. Some have, as I mentioned, different type of startups they work with. Uh, so, but uh, basically, the underneath the regulatory environment is basically similar for all of them. Um, and that's, yeah, if you're working with retail investors or non-sophisticated investors, as they're called in Armenia, um, you're basically, you're based on those regulations. When thinking about tech companies specifically, though, or tech startups, even I should say, like most Armenian startups, for, at least for financial purposes, are U.S. registered companies, right? What regulatory framework do they fall under? Uh, are they, do they fall under the Armenian one or, or the, the American one? And does that matter for investors? So, um... Uh, to put it this way, I mean, uh, U.S. Uh, sets the rules of the game for the startup world and for the innovation technology in general at this time. Uh, so, and the sales market obviously is the most, uh, the largest one and most uh, with the highest income levels. Uh, so it's no no coincidence. A lot of companies in general, but obviously the startups as well, um, are uh, need to align with those regulatory aspects, with the fundraising aspects. Another thing that's very important to mention is, if you're a startup and you want to get and you take all of these risks and spend ten of ta- ten uh, years of your life and going through all the stresses and I don't know everything else around it, you need to make sure there is some kind of payback at the end of it. Obviously, mission is very important for a lot of us that work in the startup space, uh, but there needs to be a finance payback at some point mm-hmm. and if you look at the u.s markets the premiums paid are much higher on exits as opposed to other places plus there is a kind of a already business customs of companies acquiring smaller companies ipoing so mm-hmm. all of those things are already established so both the startup world and innovation world in general is, is aligned to that now in our case we cannot go against the grain either either with regard to our best startups or their opportunities to fundraise subsequently or whatever have issues on the cap table because of different regulatory environments so in that case we need to align to all of these regulations and aspects and business customs as well so that's uh, that's how the our all of our legal structure is set up so if you're an investor you're going to be investing in a non-armenian uh, to be more specific a delaware entity right. the same way our angels 
invest in SPVs from Delaware, and that that and that SPV in turn invest in a startup. So then, in that case, what is the relevance of the Armenian framework of the Armenian regulatory environment? So our platform is registered here; it's regulated here, but it's also going to be cross <laughs> cross regulated across in the U.S. and uh, probably in the EU in the next instance. So there's a lot of regulatory oversight. So besides our own kind of internal corporate governance you know, approaches and board and everything like that. We have very uh, solid regulatory work framework that we work under. Mm -hmm. And then lastly, let's just speak a little bit about uh, the actual returns that investors uh, would get, might get on their uh, investments that they make through the platform. Today, we're seeing companies exit much later than they were earlier. Um, like, I think if you look at like Microsoft's IPO, it just would be unheard of uh, today uh, for a company of that scale. Do you, do you worry about about how long um, your investors, your your users, I should say, um, would need to be hanging on to that investment before they see it materialize? Do you so think that might be yeah. like a disincentive? So that's a good question. I think my experience comes in, and I will I will share that. So from one point of view, yes, investing in a startup might take five ten years to hold your money and then get your payback. And that's usually when I look at we look at the rec return expectations of a startup, which one we're going to list. There needs to be returns are very important just because people are taking risks and returns need to be this similar or higher. So generally returns have been, uh, if you're doing okay to well, 15 to 20% per year for investors in the VC, uh, in the venture finance space. So this is a type of a benchmark we're going to look at. So if, if we see that that startup has that promise, yes, that's, that's one of the key criteria that, that we're going to have. Um, and then five to 10 years, but then again, 15, 20% a year, not in total, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but then on the other side, okay, this is a long time. And you know, can I wait that amount of, um, um, can I allocate that much time and how much money should I have uh, set up in that for that duration? So that's, that's important. Uh, on the other hand, if we're talking about, I don't know, $1,500 a month, and this is five to, five to 10% of your portfolio. So this is not where you're putting your, uh, retirement you know, money yeah, retirement. you're not going to be living off that money. Right. Uh, that's, that's one thing. Another thing from my own experience, there's a good side to liquidity and there's a bad side to liquidity. And the bad side to liquidity is when there is some market turbulence, what people do, there's a lot of behavioral finance. People just start selling things. Things always rebound. The trend is always up. If you look at the stock markets in general, right? The trend is always going up and you get stressed and there's a lot of behavioral finance aspects come in and you get stressed and you start selling. And then on the way back, way up, so you material materialize your loss and on the way back up, you don't buy it back. Right. And it might take one, two years in the stock market. Maybe you sold it a thousand. This might be a 2000 when you decide finally after a couple of years, I'm going to buy it back because it's, yes, yeah, makes it, you need to have yeah, some yeah. investments. Yeah. So it's a, both pluses and minuses with, with the liquidity. Mm -hmm. uh, we gonna we always saying you need to have some liquid assets, bank deposits, bonds, and things like that in your portfolio. And some things need to be longer term. And this is one of the things that the need long to be term, long term. Yeah. Yes, that's a very good point. Um, do you, but do you anticipate? Do you think there would be secondary markets where people could sell that equity? I guess not if it's done through uh, uh, an SPV, right? Um, so one of the platforms I mentioned, Funderbeam from Estonia, had a secondary market. Mm -hmm. um, and there is no reason not to think that there might be a secondary market as a next stage of the total evolution. Um, I think Funderbeam was one. I think Start Engine has a similar project in motion where you can actually sell it before the exit of a startup. Mm -hmm. So there is liquidity in between. So I wouldn't exclude that that might happen as well. 
Um, again, I'm a bit, there's pluses and minuses on both the liquidity side. Um, yeah, no, it, honestly, the way you laid it out made such great sense. And I think anybody who's has any experience with just being a retail investor has gone through those pains that you, you mentioned at times. And sometimes it's better to just not even, uh, it sounds bad, but it's like, yeah. just not trust yourself with the, with the yeah, ups I'm, and downs I'm gonna, of the market. Yeah, I'm going to give you an example. Yeah. So Robinhood was a hit exactly, basically yeah. two years ago. A lot of people started using yeah, yeah. Robinhood. And we also have been discussing internally, do we want to do it as Robinhood? A lot of hype, a lot of trend, a lot of, you know, buzz around it. Um, but if you look at the stock price of Robinhood, just because of that approach to things, I think it's down like 70, 80%. Mm -hmm. So they create a lot of buzz, didn't take a long-term fundamentally sound approach from, or I might be speculating, uh, but it, you know, they might have done that, but it didn't work out that way. But in any case, we decided to do it more long-term, fundamentally sound, investor point of view principle for us, uh, fiduciary duty. So yeah. yeah. So from that sense, uh, yeah, we we are very we working with our customers and investors on the long run, not to generate a couple of uh, highly successful investment campaigns mm -hmm. upon launch. In the Robinhood example, I guess, I, like, I don't know, maybe there's something interesting that Robinhood could have done, but it's lar it's largely just the nature of the the assets that people are investing in through through Robinhood that causes that that crazy fluctuation, right? Um, but I would love to see uh, something as easy to use as Robinhood in Armenia for um, for assets that are available to to people that live in Armenia, right? Yeah, um, yeah I think uh, so. One of us, uh, one of our uh, principal points is make sure that this is easy to use. So for a couple yeah. of clicks, you go clicks, you go in, you evaluate, um, and uh, you trust the fact that we have done a lot of due diligence, corporate governance checks by the board, and all of that. But the whole process for you as an investor will be easy. Uh, but then there are also platforms in Armenia that we also, again, we're taking a holistic point of view from an investor side, so investment portfolio. So we have also platforms in Armenia that are uh, having opportunities to invest in Armenian uh, listed companies. So you can go in and buy a stock in, in a bank or a telecom company via your app. Um, whether this is a bank app or an investment company, uh, I can mention names like Sirius, uh, Capital is one, uh, Apricot Capital is another, I'm not mentioning others because there are several of them. Um, so from an investor point of view, you can get exposure to Armenian and also international stocks via some of these platforms. Right. Last question, where do you hope to see Equify in, in five years? Uh, hard to hard <laughs> to ask when you haven't launched yet, but still. No, I think our our key uh, key point is to pursue the mission that we have in front of us, and make sure that all of us participate and we get to a point where this critically important sector for Armenia is uh, broadly backed, and the diaspora can participate in this, and that money that diaspora sets aside uh, is used productively and is it's basically teaching a man how to fish uh, point mm -hmm. of view right uh, i'm a partially diaspora <laughs> from diaspora myself right. i have sympathy for a lot of the perspectives uh, that people have actually we didn't speak about the diaspora so maybe let's just spend a little bit of time on that too um what, what's your pitch to the diaspora um because uh, like for I, I grew up in the diaspora um my entire life i've only been in armenia for four years now all my life I've heard that um, we wish there was a way to uh, be investing in Armenia uh, more easily and into like really impactful things. Now it seems like you're you're creating that. Give the pitch, like for a diaspora who's listening, um, how should they, why should they be engaging in the platform? So 
to get a successful and prosperous country, it needs to be sustainable economics behind it, because uh, economics drives everything. The other thing is, uh, the critically important, as I mentioned, is innovation technology. So you get access to both of these things via this platform. Uh, you get access to both the economics of it, economy impact, you get access to innovation technology impact, um, also via financing, but also via you know uh, technology adoptions across society. So you're supporting that that movement. That's very important. So these are the two principal issues uh, that I would uh, I would say. Uh, and um, what else? Yeah, I would, another thing I would mention is uh, sometimes we have a board of some nine nine people. I would say like more than half of them are from the diaspora. So there is a lot of work and a lot of empathy for the for the point of points of views from perspectives from the diaspora. We have people from West Coast, East Coast, uh, Middle East, uh, Armenia, obviously. So we get all of these inputs and ideas and we process them. And we make sure that this is in line with everyone's interests in Armenia and abroad. Mm. Um, again, we need to have make sure that we, you know, <laughs> um, participate in the sustainability and building a sustainability behind it. And obviously, there are investment returns. We're not gonna we're not for not Equify yeah. for Equify to be successful. Our investors need to be successful. Yeah. We they need to make money. This is they, this cannot work out otherwise. Uh, the impact is a is a huge part of that but the investment side is at least 50 percent of it yeah absolutely samson thank you so much for joining us and i wish you a lot of luck with it appreciate thank it you, very kind of you <laughs>